Welcome to the When He Speaks podcast, where we talk to preachers about the tough questions. Here's your host, Austin Halpern. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the When He Speaks podcast. I'm your host, Austin Holcomb, and today I have with me brother Kendall Teague. What's up? How's it going, man? Oh, you know, just having fun, having fun. I'm telling you, man, if, if I was any better, I'd, I'd have to be all up in heaven. That's right. That's right. So for those of you who don't know, this is brother Kendall. Me and him's known each other for what now, about four years, five yeah, years? Somewhere four or five years. Yeah, so we we've gone we've grown really close to each other and uh so I thought, you know, might as well ask him to come do this podcast with me too. Might as well just keep on going downhill. <laughs> I don't know if I would go that way with it, but you know, we I I've been focusing a lot on trying to make sure I find preachers who I believe preach the word the way it's supposed to be preached. And I've heard Kendall preach several times now and every time I hear him I'm like that's the guy I want to. I want to talk to him, and you're by far the youngest one because <laughs> the other two I've interviewed was my father-in-law and my father. So yeah, yeah. So hey, look, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> so so for those of them out there listening that don't really know you, let's uh let's get let's get to know you a little bit. So so when did you start preaching? So I accepted the call to preach in March of 2015. Um, I had kind of wrestled with it uh, back and forth for several months. Uh, I was kind of afraid of missing God because we as Christians were human, so we will do that from time to time. So I wanted to make sure that, hey, this is what God has called me to do. Uh, so I accepted the call to preach on March 15th, uh, 2015. Uh, at a revival, actually, at my home church uh, in Heflin, Alabama. Um, and so, yeah, it's just been full steam ahead since then. Yeah, you said that you wanted to make sure God was, that's what God wanted you to do. I feel like that, not just with preaching, which more so than other things, but you you need to make sure that it is God telling you that you need to be doing something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because in my life, growing up in a ministry home, I've seen many people claim callings, but you see very quickly that uh, it was probably more out of emotion or more out of desire more than what God had called them to do. So I just wanted to make sure that, hey, you know, I didn't want it to be something that I just wanted to do, uh, but more so what God had called me to do. That's right. Uh, now, so so tell us, where are you attending church at? Uh, me and my wife and my son, we go to the Rainsville Church of God uh, here just right down the road from your house. Um, we've been there almost three years uh, with the leadership of Pastor Chris and Vicki Bell, uh, whom much honor and respect go to. Um, but, yeah, we uh, we go there. We've, like I said, been there a little over or almost three years. Um, and just enjoying our time there enjoying this season of ministry for our family that's awesome now uh <clears throat> a little bit going back to you said you when you started preaching what 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 do you think made you feel the most like you were called into the ministry well I, like i said i grew up in a ministry home um my father didn't accept the call to preach until later in life 
But before that, um, he served in, him and my mom both served in various roles uh, in our home church. And so, you know, ministry was all that I'd ever known. Uh, but, you know, I've, I've been, I've been in music ministry, been in youth ministry. Um, so I knew ministry would be part of my life. Um, but I would say probably the beginning of 2015, uh, January or February, I began to really realize what God was calling me to do and realizing that, Hey, this is going to be a major role of my life, not just something that I've been a part of for most of my life or something that's just a part of my life, but it is a major, a major part of my life. Yeah, that's that's a big step to have to try to make sure you take in. It's Oh, absolutely. And, you know, growing up in a preacher's home, growing up in a ministry home, you know, you, you hear about preacher's kids and, and the repertoire that they have, but looking from that, from the preacher's kid standpoint, you you automatically know there's a big target on your back, and you know that people's out to watch you fall. People's out to uh, just see you mess up, so that they can sometimes just kind of make a joke out of you. Um, sadly, uh, so you you know, ministry. I've always said ministry is not something that I personally was just jumping head over heels wanting to do with my life. But I knew that if God called me to this point, that I would be willing to do whatever I needed to do and whatever he called me to do. Right. Us us PK kids, we have to unite and hold together, stand strong. For sure. Because we know better than anybody that the ministry, you have to live, you you don't have to, but you're forced to live in a glass house. Yeah. And it's, it's not for the faint of heart and it's not, you know, ministry is not just what you see on Sunday. Ministry is full seven days a week, 365 days a year of caring for others and most of the time putting yourself behind them. Yeah, and so for those of you out there listening who may not have known this about us PKs and just the your pastors, preachers in general, check on them. Make sure they know that you're there to support them, that you're not there just to try to catch them falling or slacking but you'll be there to catch them when they do fall to pick them back up yeah absolutely um you know i've i've seen firsthand of you know the the hurt the anguish but i've also seen the flip side of the of the victories and the faithfulness of god uh that has carried my family uh for many many years and and we'll do so because God is faithful to, if we're faithful to him, he's going to be faithful to us. Oh, yeah. I can I can attest to that. But so so now that we've known a little bit more about you, we're going to start to pick your brain just a little bit here. Oh, boy. <laughs> we'll start off with something pretty easy, though. Let's, we'll start off with, let, let us hear what your favorite Bible verse is. Um, It would probably... I've always said my favorite Bible verse is Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, which is a very common verse. But I've always tried to make it personal that the Lord did. He knew me before I was ever thought of. Right. He, knew, he knew the destiny for my life. And therefore, that verse gives me hope to place my trust in him that no matter what life throws, it, throws my way, 
that he's going to be there beside me and because he knows me, he knows everything about me, he knows what I'm going to face. So therefore, um, you know, he's he's going to be there and he, he knows us best and therefore we should uh, place our hope and our trust in him. So yeah, it would, it would probably have to be Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. That's a good verse, if I do say so myself. <laughs> I, I, I'm a big fan of that verse as well. I mean, it's just, especially when you do, like you said, and take it and try to make it completely personal. Yeah. Put in, Instead of just like reading it and reading it as a Bible, take it and put yourself in that situation, in that verse. When you say you or I, no, saying it as you, not as whoever, throughout the whole Bible, it don't matter who wrote it. Whenever they say in something, and they say I or me, put yourself in that spot. That's you that they're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because you know, if we, if we don't take scripture literal and personal, then it's never going to be applied to our lives in a personal way. Um, so therefore, we have to take scripture. Um, you know, take John three sixteen for instance. If if we just read it as it is, and, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him, if we just keep that whoever in there, then that can be anybody. But if we place our our own personal lives or, you know, us in that scripture, then it, it brings new meaning to us when we apply those scriptures to our lives. Yeah, I feel like you you have to do that if you want to start getting the – the real message out of the scripture that God's trying to show to you, you have to dig a little deeper than just the top layer of the scripture. Cause even though it's, it's one single verse on a single sheet of paper, if you want to, and you start digging into that one little scripture, it goes, it's almost bottomless pit of how much stuff and information you can pull out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, like I said, if, if we don't apply scripture personally, then it's never going to become a personal part of our life. And so we have to do that in order to, uh, in, in order to make it in the, in the world that we live in. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so, so now let's try to dive a little bit deeper now. And, uh, so when you go to study, how do you decide where you're wanting to start your scripture studies at? Um, Typically, if I'm, you know, if I'm preparing for a message, um, I just, I really try to find something, hear something uh, in conversation with someone, or it may be from another minister that I've listened to uh, that really catches me in a different way. And then I begin to just search the scriptures uh, that are parallel or scriptures that support that one particular a thought or idea and then just go from there uh i'm a firm believer in using resources uh when you're going to prepare um yes of course the scripture should be our number one resource but we we have to use outside resources whether it's uh different statistics or opinions or whatever to correlate our sermons to give to bring just like with the scripture, to bring a personal um, reflection upon our message. Because if, you know, I love I love theological preaching, but there's something to me about a more of a just 
personal life application uh, sermon that really puts me in perspective of my own life. Um, so a lot of my, you know, a lot of my preparation comes from just living life and allowing God to speak through someone or speak through a situation uh, in order to, you know, prick my heart uh, about a certain message or a certain topic. Yeah. I mean, I know you're talking about using new resources because me and you are very similar as far as we really do enjoy music. Absolutely. And so music, I know when I here recently when I've went to study, it's either I I'll find I'll even hear it in music and, and it'll be some lyrics from a song that just hit me different and I'm like, hmm, I want to see where they got that out of the scripture. Yeah, for sure. And and also on the flip side, you will there's many times uh, that you will start digging through an article or digging through a song, and you may actually find out that it is not scriptural. Mm-hmm. Um, and sadly, there there are people who just take a good thought and think that that's the way that it should be. Um, but you know, anything that we say or do should be pointed straight back to God and the Scripture uh, that we were, you know, given by Him by the Spirit. Um, and you know, yes, we're going to have our opinions. We're going to have um different theologians inputs but we all we have to go back and base everything that we say or do from scripture in order to uh go forward in ministry right uh, now i'm i'm gonna reference uh brother james jeffrey for a minute he he told us i think it was last week or maybe it was on our wednesday night study that we were doing he said it's okay to listen to other people's thoughts and everything about the Bible. But he said, never just take their word for it. Go and do the digging yourself yeah. to make sure that they were telling you what the Bible says. Yeah, because we're human. You know, we're gonna we're going to um we're gonna take scripture differently uh than others. Um my pastor, he is a huge advocate for making sure you have the correct context of the scripture. Because if we don't have the correct context and what it is meaning, then we can take the meaning to a whole different place. And if we are witnessing or if we are telling others about a certain scripture, if we don't have the right context of the scripture, then we are leading them in our own direction, whether we truly mean to or not. But that's why it's very important to make sure and dig and find the correct context of the scripture um, in order to know, hey, this is where I'm coming from. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So so now that we've talked a little bit about where or you decide to start in your studies, how do, how do you schedule your time to study? Because I know, for those of you who don't know, he, he's got his wife and his son that is three years old that and he works the long hours on his job yeah. so i know it because I, I struggle with the same thing yeah. finding the time to study yeah it it is it's very hard um and like you said with being a being a dad being a husband uh, being an employee um of a corporate business it is hard um 
but you you have to discipline yourself. You have to um, just kind of make yourself do it. Uh, but a lot of mine, it's funny, a lot of my messages uh, and a lot of my preparation comes to me just through the day um, as I'm working. And so I'll, you know, I'll jot it down on my phone and then I'll take from there, then I will take and, you know, dig when I get home and then prepare my notes and stuff like that. But a lot of, a lot of my preparation, um, comes while I'm on my job, but luckily I have a job to where I'm by myself just driving a truck. Uh, so therefore I have that alone time that I can spend with God in prayer and in uh, just meddling and meditating over things that, hey, you know, this is the direction that God's leading me. So, yeah, a lot a lot of my time is spent um, studying is on my job. Yeah, just – and because you can, you can look at studying as so many different things because most people think of studying as, you know, getting into the Word and whatnot, but – your study could be literally because there's oral classes that you take in school. So why can't it be God talking to you through prayer and through the meditation that you go through while you're just by yourself? Exactly. I consider that a form of study because it's God taking in, even if you're listening to worship music, taking something like pulling out this little phrase here or that little phrase there. And it's like, Ooh, I need to look more into that. And then you start dwelling on it and dwelling on it and meditating on it. And then it seems like just more and more starts filling your mind that that's where God was actually trying to lead me to. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it we're the society that we live in today. We are, we are far from, well, I don't want to say far, but we are away from the, the day and time to where a preacher sits and spends, you know, eight to ten hours solid working on a message because of the way that our society has came come in and the way that our lives are. Our lives are so busy, and I'm not necessarily saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying our lives are so busy. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of preparation for many ministers um, is on the go. Um, but, you know, I've always, I've always said that, you know, when you're when you find a church and, and you begin to attend a church, you're gonna trust that man. Yes, we like you said earlier, we revert back to scripture. Um but we're gonna trust them and know that they are walking in the calling that God has placed them in, and that calling is more than just getting up there and preaching. Um that calling is to be caring for people, is to be um equipped with their study with their uh, scripture reading with their prayer um so we you know we have to we have to understand that hey we we sometimes paint this picture that our pastors sit in an office for you know two days solid and just working on a message but it can come to us any time um in any shape form or fashion that god wants to uh give us that message yeah for sure that i mean it's just the you like you said the way the the world is now we it's hard to find a 
preacher that's able that has the time to where he could just block out eight or ten hours of his day to sit down and try to fully study a message. Most of the time, I know from my pastor's perspective, he has to, because he has this job and he has all these extracurriculars going on outside of his job that he's doing for the community, that his studying, it's just in at night, right before he goes to bed, he's studying maybe an hour or two a night, every night, and that's how he builds up his time for his studies, for his messages. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, speaking to you know any young ministers don't don't let that fear seep in that you're not you're not doing what god's called you to do just because you're not sitting there with a bible in your lap for five or six hours um if you stay prayed up and you stay in the word god will god will bring those those scriptures to your remembrance and he will give you the words to say like I said, a lot of my messages come to me while I'm on my job. Um, and so, you know, it's not going to just always be a certain way that a picture is painted to us. That most definitely just, I, th- I would think the thing is, not even for just ministers, for anyone who's struggling, feels like they're struggling to receive God's message. It's not that we have to be nose deep in the Bible 24-7 to get that message. You just always need to be prepared to receive the message when it comes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now, I, I know I know I'm talking to you. You wouldn't be on this podcast if you weren't a preacher, you know, but I I know that's your, you know, you're a preacher and under your pastor. So what is your, I know you have another major role, but I'm trying to get you to bring that out to where we can talk about it a little bit more. So what's your actual main role in your church yeah so me and my wife um we will be married soon to be five years um and we are actually the worship pastors at our church um which is not where we pictured ourselves uh we came to rainsville almost three years ago as student pastors um and and just about a year ago uh really felt God leading us in a different direction, but not not necessarily a different direction as going to another church. Uh, we felt God leading us uh, to a different area of ministry, um, and we were actually filling in as worship pastors. Um, our worship pastor had left, and so we were filling in and had been filling in for about six or seven months and really felt God shifting our call um to the area of worship, which is a huge passion of ours anyway. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, but, yeah, we, uh, we've we been serving as full-time worship pastors uh, for a year now, uh, but have been in the position uh, for about a year and a half. That's See, that's awesome. I, I love to hear it when there's younger people actually stepping up in the some of the major roles in church. Now, do you feel like when you're helping lead worship as a preacher, do you feel like that helps influence your messages that you're trying to push across with the worships? Yes, uh, but it's one of those things that can be a blessing and a curse uh, because as a minister, um, I, I feel that we are called to a higher standard. Um, 
So in with leading worship, I in return, me and my wife, we hold our worship team to a higher standard. Uh, we, we hold each individual uh, to a quality standard of living, uh, to a quality standard of uh, faithfulness to our church um, and faithfulness to God. Um, so, it, like I said, it's a blessing and a curse because it all trickles down. It, uh, you know, a lot of sometimes when we're leading worship, I'd like to just stop and preach right in the middle of it. Uh, but that's not always, you know, the best route to take. Right. Uh, but it also, like I said, it will, and I think this digs into the next question, is sometimes how it can be a blessing and a curse is you will find a song that somebody brings to you that they want to sing or they want to do. And then you begin to dig and find that this song is not scriptural. So it can sometimes be hard um, to where some worship pastors, they'll listen to a good song and, and sometimes won't, uh, won't dig as much as they probably should. Um, and we'll sing a song and, you know, and, and not really listen and compare to scripture the way that it should probably be done. And I'm not the best at doing it. I, I have failed many times, but it's something that I try to do uh, that intertwines uh, the two areas of ministry that God has called us to. Um, and, you know, Sadie, Sadie is a massive part of, of our ministry. Uh, she, she pretty much does a lot of our song selection, our, you know, preparation. Right. Um, I just, you know, I always say I get to come in, play piano, and be her backup singer. So, <laughs> you know, we just go with that. That's that sounds like a lot easier task than it probably is. Ah, uh, yeah. Because I, I I know Sadie, and I know she's she loves to make sure the music sounds just the way that she wants it to. Oh yeah, and so uh, she. It, she don't let that higher standard fall off on just the other people. No, uh, she she holds me to that higher standard too. <laughs> I can promise you that. But you know, you you talk about, uh, you know, Sadie being the the one that helps with the music and everything with you. So y'all are both the worship pastors at your church. Yeah. Now, do you feel like that ever taxes your relationship? You know, with you being a a a, a minister, a preacher already, and then on top of that having to work into the actual music side as well. Yeah. So, you know, it, I, I actually, it's funny you bring this up. I, I was talking to a couple today at church and I told them, I said, look, I said, we, we originally came here as student pastors. And then I said, then we took over as worship pastors and the devil has fought us harder with being worship pastors than he ever did being student pastors. Um, and we know with reading scriptures that that was Satan's job mm -hmm. in heaven before he was cast down was he was the worship leader. And, you know, it's kind of just a running joke that I say that the devil lives uh, in worship. Um, and, but yeah, and even, you know, I was telling somebody, you know, 90% of our arguments are over something to do with our worship and it is taxing, but we also have to dig back and realize, Hey, this is what God's called us to do. And we're not going to be able to do it effective 
until we get our hearts right and get on the same page. And so it's it's been a absolutely incredible dream come true uh, to be able to lead worship alongside my wife. Um, we have a great team at Rainsville who love us, who have supported us. Um, but yeah, it's it's an absolute dream come true to be able to do what we are doing together uh, because I know many couples don't get to experience uh, what we are getting to experience. Yeah, and just to double back on what you had said, you know, about the devil attacking you so hard, you know, I feel like if you're doing what God has asked you to do, that the devil tries his hardest to stop you from doing it. And that's simply because I've heard it phrased uh, like this, that if you're going the same way as the enemy, they're not going to fight you. Yeah, absolutely. But as soon as you start trying to turn and go against the grain is when they start pushing back. Yeah, and you know, you take you you take someone that's lost in sin. The devil's not going to fight them. He has no reason to fight them. Um, that's the reason sometimes as as the church, we look out upon the world and we're like, well, well, they're not having the same issues that we're having, or they're not going through hard trials like we are. And yet we know they are, but it seems to be different. But where the difference comes in is the devil is fighting us harder because he, if he can win, if he if he can win us over, he is gaining something. But he already has a center in his hand, so he doesn't waste his time on fighting for them. That's exactly right, and that, that it makes it harder to. I mean, I, I I get exactly what you're saying there. It's like you comparing it yourself to you're saying they're doing this and this and this. Why are they not struggling? You know, it's because why would he make them feel terrible when he's already got them in his hand? Absolutely. Yeah, it's, you know, it it's hard to see, um, and it's hard to go through. You know, just like we talked about in the beginning of the podcast of how, you know, growing up in a ministry home and, and living currently in a ministry home, um, it's hard to see sometimes and hard to uh, deal with the persecution, to deal with the uh, bad-mouthing, to deal with the things that you deal with in a ministry home. Um, But on the flip side, through all of that, uh, God's faithful to us. God takes care of us. Um, And, you know, God's not not going to put up uh, with people coming against people who he has called – and those situations will typically just take care of themselves. Right, right. So so I know, like I've mentioned earlier in the podcast, you know, just having you and your wife that are leading the worship at, the, at your church, you know, that's so rare nowadays to see those younger people in the line of worship or helping out with the Sunday school lessons and, you know, just participating in general in church. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm twenty six and Sadie's twenty three. And you know, I think on on my side, um I I was I was taught the importance of being faithful to God and being faithful to what he has called you to from such a young age. Um that hey, this is all I've known and God's called me to it, so I'm gonna be faithful to it. But I think as a couple, 
when you know when we said I do, we we knew that hey, this is the institution that God has brought together, and if we believe that He was faithful enough to bring us together, then we should be faithful to Him. Um, but not many not many people our age uh, take the take the faithfulness to God, being faithful to Him. Um, important at all really and it's it's sad um but you know i encourage every young person that i see go after god and he's he's going to lay out his plan for you and so go after him chase after him and he's going to be faithful to you he's going to take care of you um just as he has us and we're you know we're living proof of that yes for sure and now i feel like you said that you used to be youth pastors, correct? Yes. So how would you go about trying to convince or talk to kids about participating in church and making it a, a place where they feel comfortable and want to participate in church? Well, I think I think you have to set the atmosphere of, hey, this is a place where you can come, lay down everything that you're dealing with, and give it to God, and let him deal with it. No, it's not going to be a you come here one night and you're totally totally transformed. It's going to be a process. But I think I think where it comes in, the main focus is setting the atmosphere for the kids to feel comfortable with you. Uh, how me personally and Sadie, how we've done that, how we've done that throughout uh, serving in two different churches as student pastors, is we we basically just made ourselves one of them. You know we. We get out, we play with them, we get out and laugh with them and goof off with them. But then in return, do do what we've called, been called to do. But you have to just make yourself one of them. And then to to encourage them, I think I think we we have just allowed our ages to speak for themselves. Um I've always, like I said earlier, I I've always push to others you know if you'll be faithful to god god will be faithful to you i've always pushed that but i think like what you mentioned the rarity of having such a young couple in ministry being an encourager to others is literally just letting our ages speak for themselves um we've been doing ministry as a couple for actually longer than we have been married um, I started youth pastor um, up in the first church that we were youth pastors at. Right, actually, before we got married, I was already youth pastor there. Uh, so we've been in ministry as a couple our entire marriage so far. And so, you know, starting ministry as a couple at twenty-two and twenty years old, I mean that was that was a big deal. And some of these kids were you know, just 15, 16 years old. So we weren't much older than they were. So I think we've just allowed our age to speak for itself um, and just let our lives uh, be a lot for them to say, hey, you can you can have fun, you can experience life, and you can live life but still be faithful to God and abide by his word uh, morally, um in every way that he lays out for us in scripture. 
So yeah, I think that's been that's been a major thing for us is just letting just be one of the kids and encourage them and just be there for them because that's what that's what kids need more than anything. They just need somebody there for them. Yeah, I mean you got to think about it. There, I've I've been a big uh, believer in this as well. Like kids go to school for eight hours a day. And guess what they do all eight hours of the day? They are stuck listening to their teachers tell them how they're supposed to live, yeah. their, how they're supposed to do this work, how they're supposed to do this. Then they go home, and they're listening to their parents tell them what they're supposed to be doing and everything. Yeah. So I feel like if us as a church as a whole, if we were to just take and not be telling – I mean, it's I mean, don't get me wrong. You still need to teach them. Yeah. But if you will – Sit back and listen, and, listen. Let, and give them the opportunity to speak and let them know that they're heard. Yeah. That speaks volumes. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I've, I've always said I, I had the greatest example. My parents were uh, student pastors of our home church um, when I was six years old until I was probably uh, 12 or 13. Um. So at that stage in my life, you know, yeah, you're still rambunctious. You still, you know, kind of act as a child as you are, but you're also at a stage in your life to where you can learn a lot. Um, and a lot of the ways that I conducted myself and uh, conducted Bible studies and stuff like that, I, I mirrored from my parents because my parents were uh, – truly such effective um in youth ministry during their time um as youth pastors and i just tried to take wisdom from them growing up and then now have applied that to my life um and you know back to what i was saying i think i think the age is what really has helped uh, sadie and i both of being so young and letting these kids know that, hey, they're doing it so I can do it too. That's lead by example. Yes. It's, it's, that's about as, that's the best easy way to put that is lead by example. Show them that you can have fun, but then also let them see what you're doing for God. Yeah. It, it's, it's sometimes, I feel like we make it too hard sometimes. Oh, Versus, yeah. I mean, it's so simple how easy it is to serve God sometimes. And we try to over-explain it, overdo it, and it's not as hard as we make it out to be. Yeah, 100%. You know, it's, it's, a, it's an easy road, but it's a hard road. It's a hard road because the Lord, the Lord plainly tells us, you're, you're going to suffer persecution. You're going to suffer hard times. For my sake, but we do we we complicate it way more than what it is, and I think that's why in many places the church has failed going forward, is we make it so complicated, and it's like people come to church and they're like, oh, I've got to go through this big long cycle just to be a Christian. No, no, it's as simple as simple can be. Yeah, there's there's no 12-step program that you have to complete 
it 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 the Bible plainly calls out for all just the the broken, the lonely. They call out just hey, come as you are. Exactly. And and then you allow God to fix you once you've accepted it. Yes. You've got to accept that you're low and broken and you know lonely. And that only, you can't fix yourself. You have to understand that you can't fix yourself and that God is the one that is going to be there to help you and fix you. Yeah, I mean, you know, the old saying of the first the first step to fixing a problem is admitting that there is a problem. And, I mean, that's with anything. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the, the, first, the first step of salvation is admitting that you are a sinner, uh, that you need God to help you. And you need his son, Jesus, to come into your heart. And it's as simple as that. But, yeah, it's we make it so much com- more complicated than what it actually is. Yeah. Now, now speaking of sinners and, you know, the lost, I, I know, you know, like we've discussed, you're younger and a, and a preacher. So you don't sh- – it's, di- it's a little different for you than I, I would think than – the older preachers as far as when it comes to witnessing because when an older preacher goes out to witness, everybody understands and sees he's the older preacher. He's got the the major knowledge of being in it for so long. Yeah. Now now do you feel like how do you feel like witnessing as a younger preacher affects the outcome of it? Well, how I've how I've managed that in my life is number one, just be yourself. You there's no sense in flaunting uh, that you're any better than anybody else because you're not. But number one, be yourself. And number two, find common interests with that person. About everybody you come in contact with, you're going to be able to find something that you have interest in. And then that common interest over a period of time will lead into an opportunity to witness to them. Um. So, you know, like, like for you instance, if you, if we're just out working together, whatever, we find the common interest of music. We find the common interest of Alabama football. We find these things that we are both interested in. So the more that we convey in those conversations of those topics, there will eventually come an opportunity for me to witness to you. And you may not even realize that it is witnessing because it's done in a way that is of your common interest. Right. And that's, that's another place where I feel like it's, it's made harder than what it actually is. Yeah. It's, you don't have to take your Bible and just beat somebody over the head with it, but you also don't have to let them trample over you. Like you're not even there as far as when don't let them just push you off and push you off. I mean, you want to make that common ground, make that friendship, make that connection before you try to witness. Cause I promise you, like the old saying goes, you can catch more flies with, with honey than vinegar. Yeah, and, you know, it's one of those things I'll never forget. Uh, when I first started the job where I'm currently at, I, I worked with a guy who uh, wasn't a church-going guy. Uh, to my knowledge, still isn't. Um, but the one thing that I, I struggled with for quite some time was his language. I've never... Literally, in my entire life, I've never been around people who use foul language. So that was something new to me, but it was also something very annoying to me. But 
every time that I, w- I would begin to even think about saying anything to him, it was like the Lord convicted me. It was like the Lord's like, no, this is not the way that you should go about this. So I never would, I never said anything to it. I just kind of dealt with it. And as time went on, I noticed that he began to curse a lot less frequently um, to the point that when I quit working with him side by side on our job, like I, I would literally never hear the dude cuss any any type or any time around me. And we got to talking one day and he told me, he said, you know, he said something one day and was about to spout off a word and he called himself and he actually apologized. And he said, he said, look, I've tried my best to do better. I've tried my best to when I'm around you, not to uh, curse. He said, but I noticed you never said anything to me. I said, no. He's like, but you had, I'm sure you had an issue with it. I said, yeah. I said, but who am I to just sit here and dog you over something when my goal is to win you to Christ? If I just sit here and tell you everything that you're doing is wrong and you're going to pay for it, and you know, then what good is that going to do in making any progress to winning you to Christ? And, you know, I just literally, like I said, I just, I made that friendship with him. We had lots of common interests. We both loved sports. Um, and so I made that common interest with him and just became his friend. And so, you know, that's something that witnessing, like you said, along with just being a Christian in general, witnessing has been made so much more complicated and so much so scary. I mean, you tell a ten year old kid or fifteen year old kid, hey, you need to go witness to these people, they're gonna be scared to death because in their mind they've been painted a picture, hey, you've got to go out and you've got to start quoting scripture or you've got to go up to this person and start praying for them. And yes, that is ways that some people are blessed um to witness but not everybody is able to witness in that way um but yeah so many people i have been able to witness to just simply being their friend over a period of time and just finding common interest with them um over just life topics yeah i mean i'm the i'm the same way as you as far as i feel like the best way for me to witness is through my life living my life for god because I work in the steel, the steel industry. And so I don't know if anybody's heard any of the stereotypes about that. But it's, it, I would compare working in the steel industry, in the shop, building steel, as what they would have compared to sailors, old pirates, the way that some of these people talk. Yeah. And it's just, it's nothing against them. It's just the way they've always done things, the way they've, they're always going to do things. But when I went in there, I would, you know, I would try to talk with them, be, be friends with them. And when they start getting into that way, I would just, you know, kind of not fully separate, but step away, you know, and try to do my own thing and then come back in at a later time. And, and, you know, it took, it took a while. It, It took, I think three months 
before I ever got the actual chance to witness. Yeah. But I could, I could see it working because the people started cussing less and less around me. Yeah. And then one day, I'll never forget it, I got asked, how come you never cuss? You're in here with us all day long and you never cuss. Yeah. And I'm and I and all I have to tell them is I'm a Christian. I I don't believe in using that kind of language to express yourself. I understand y'all do it and that's fine. I'm not tr- asking you to change. I'm just telling you that I don't do it for this reason and I believe it's because of this and this and this and went on and told him witness to him as much as I could, you know, in the, a lot yeah. of time we have. Yeah, for sure. And it's I think if cuz that's the easiest way I could would try to explain it to your kids or to anyone that you're trying to that's younger that maybe they may not want to just go out and stand up on the podiums, start quoting scriptures, telling everybody about Jesus. Cuz that's that's even scary for people like me and Kendall who have been PKs and been in the ministry helping out in different areas our whole lives. That's still scary for us to get up on stage and do that. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, growing up as a kid, I never would have, you know, if you would have told me at 26, almost 27 years old, that I would be at the place I'm at now, I, I never really would have believed it. I wasn't really a shy kid, um, but I never seen myself as one to get up in front of people and speak or lead worship. Um, but that that proves to show that when God places his hand on your life and he anoints you for a certain time in a certain place that all it takes is obedience unto him and he'll he'll give you the things to say the things to do um and that's you know that's just how God works yes for sure for sure i mean it's it's just so we, it's it's just it's just awes me to see the people that can be changed just by seeing your actions, yeah. seeing you live as trying to follow close to Jesus as possible. For sure. So let's. let's I'm going to try to jump back and touch a little bit more on your music side of things, you know, as far as, because I know that's a, a huge part in your ministry because, yes. you know, you're the worship pastor. So do you ever find it hard to find the song that conveys the message you're wanting to get across to the people? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's hard. I think probably one of my biggest struggles as a worship pastor is there will be times that, you know, we, we may not even know our worship set on Saturday night. Um, of course, we try, since we do have a team of musicians, of singers, we try to be as prepared as possible. But I never want to select a song or never want to jump on a new cool song just because it's a new cool song or a song that I want to do. Um, I, You know, like I said, there's, there's literally been several, sa- even Saturday evenings, when we have to lead worship the next morning that I'm still trying to dig for songs and seek out what God wants us to do. Um, but I, I think there are times to where I, me personally, we try to, 
we try to convey what we feel is is the top season that our church is going through. Or, you know, there's been many times that uh, we've used certain songs because it just it feels right. Um, and then we get to church the next day, and it may be the song may directly align with our pastor's uh, message, which we never communicate. Uh, that's something we never do. We never communicate. I never ask him what he's preaching. He never asks us what we're singing. But it's amazing of how many times God correlates our worship set to what he's preaching. And then we know, hey, this is exactly what God wants. And then there's, I mean, there's times that we come off the stage and it feels like a total, complete flop. Um, but God always seems to send someone by that will encourage us on those days that lets us know, hey, I needed that and I needed that song and I really appreciate that. So, you know, it. I would say sometimes it is hard. But I think more than anything, the hard part is, is we just want to make sure we don't miss an opportunity to lead a song that may touch one, may touch someone's heart. But we also don't want to lead a song just because we want to sing that song. That's not something that we ever do. And we, me and Sadie both, we try to get away from that. We always want to uh, seek direction and seek the will of God. Uh, for even something as some people think is as simple as leading worship. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it can, it can be difficult, but I think the difficult brings the good, um, in many aspects of life. Right now, now I should, I should ask you this before we started, but do y'all do the invitation music as well? Yes. We, we take care of music all the way from, uh, the very beginning of service, uh, to to the end uh whether you know whether our pastor gives a direct altar call or you know whether he just leads a corporate prayer uh yeah we we take care of every bit of that because i know i i because for our invitations we i'll take some songs from spotify and i have a whole playlist set up there to try to and i i have a whole list of them but i find it so difficult to I was listening to the message, absorbing what I'm hearing, and then trying to take a song and correlate it to the message at the end of service to make it. Yeah, yeah, that that can be difficult uh, because you rack your brain, and there's not always a song that just pops in your mind. Um, which at our church we have all live music, whether it's for worship or uh, even the altar service. Uh, so there are many Sundays um, that I'll just get up there and just begin to play uh, some sort of chord progression, whether it's an actual song or whether it's just something that I, you know, put together. We'll just call it a um, melody. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, and then and then there's times that I I don't really have a direction that I want to go for our altar service, so I'll just get up and play, and then according to which direction our pastor takes the altar service, then I will try to throw an actual song in there. But a lot of times it's just uh, chords that I put together uh, through uh, melodies that 
I just simply just play the piano uh, for our altar service. So, so you know, as much as you love music and as much as I love music, like I said earlier, I use music a lot to help try to correlate the messages that God's trying to give me through my studies. Yeah. And do you do you find that you do that as well? Like you take take what you're reading and find a song that kind of goes along with that and it helps sort of bring that scripture on around and give it more fullness? Um, I think I think more than anything I use music to get my mind to get myself in a correct mindset to allow God to really truly speak directly to me. Um and there are times that, you know, there will be a specific song that may intertwine with my message. But I think most of the time I use music to get my mind clear, to get me in a place of basically make me feel like I'm sitting across the table from God himself. That way I can seclude myself um, from the outside and make sure that I am in direct tune with him. Yeah, I mean, I've got to the point now where my music selection revolves around today's Christian top hits off Spotify and K love the radio station. Yeah. That's, that's what my whole music revolves around right now. And so I've, I've noticed a change. I invite you to try this if you haven't already, but try all you listen to is today's Christian hits or something like the K love radio station that only plays, you know, the Christian songs and try just, that being all you listen to for start out with a week and see how it changes your studies. Yeah. Because you're going to stay in touch with God the whole time. There's not a, there's, there won't be a moment in your day unless you're not listening to the radio or to music at all. There will not be a point in the day where you're not possibly getting some little tidbits of knowledge or something that you may have missed before from the music. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the more the more you dig into the word, whether it's through music or whether it's through just direct scripture reading, the more you do that, the more opportunity you're giving God to speak to you. Um, just like I said in the very beginning, if we don't make it personal, then it's not going to be personal. So yeah, the more the more time you give to God, the more time He's going to give to you. Um, so yeah, that that is very important to surround yourself. Um, with worship and that's something that you know me and sadie constantly try to do is keep our minds in that worship mindset even throughout the week um to prepare ourselves uh for our next service that's it's it's always you've all like i was like i said earlier you've always got to be prepared because you might not be able to, like you said, on your songs where you're planning out your your playlist for the next service, you might not even get those till that Saturday night before. But you're prepared to receive that as soon as God gives you the way to go into that. Yeah, exactly. Because without preparation, we're like it, it, we're just not. If we're not prepared, then we can't be 
ready to receive it, and God may may have sent us something, and we not even known it. Yeah, and you know something that we have tried to convey to our worship team, and the many people who help us in all aspects, is I'm a firm believer in 100 percent following the will of God and throwing an agenda out the window, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't come with a plan that doesn't mean that we don't prepare god scripture tells us that everything should be done decent and in order which Mm -hmm. means i've got to be prepared but i've also got to rely on god and same way with you know a preaching ministry is you can't you can't not study and then when you make a flop of it, blame it on God. Right. God expects us to do our part in order for him to do his. That's exactly right. You know, have that plan. That's your plan set to where you can be prepared. But then don't be afraid to completely alter that plan whenever God's plan starts to fall into place. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Winnie Speaks podcast. Uh, I, I want to thank you again, Kendall, for sitting down and doing this with me. Absolutely. Anytime. And uh, as always, thank you for listening. I'll see you back next time. Thank you for listening to the When He Speaks podcast. If you want to hear your question get answered, hit us up on Facebook or send us an email at when.he.speaks.podcast at gmail.com.